This podcast is presented by SoCalREN, the Southern California Regional Energy Network. We're a collection of local governments that come together to promote energy efficiency programs for residents, businesses, and public agencies. Welcome to Re-Energizing Communities, your connection to conversations about energy efficiency that can help you influence change at home, at work, and in your community. Thanks so much for joining us. Joining host Chris Ford in today's episode is Genevieve Sharoma, Commissioner for the California Public Utilities Commission, or CPUC. Sharoma and Ford discuss Senate Bill 350, the role local governments can play in achieving clean energy goals for California, wildlife mitigation efforts, and more. Let's get started. Commissioner Sharoma, thank you so much for making the time to speak with us and letting us pick your brain. First off, there may be some folks out there who don't really know what the commission does. Um, So I know it may seem like a a really simple first question, but would you mind to give our listeners some perspective on the role that the commission plays in energy efficiency in California? The California Public Utilities Commission has been around for over 100 years. It's the largest state utility regulator in the nation. We regulate essential services such as energy, electricity and natural gas, water, communications, transportation, both rail and passenger, and the overall safety of utility customers. We started off as the Railroad Commission and now we regulate much more, all towards providing for excellent service, affordable service, safety. On the energy side of things, We regulate the utilities that take care of approximately 75%, you know, three quarters of the customers uh, in California. And from an energy efficiency perspective, we are a leader, not only, of course, in California, but in the nation. The CPUC has been working on energy efficiency for many decades. And since the 1970s, we have led that effort. It's generated a lot of jobs. It has reduced greenhouse gas emissions. And the American Council for Energy Efficient Economy ranked California first in the nation in 2020 for saving energy on multiple fronts. It is very commonly said that the best energy saved is that which requires no generation (laughs) that we have invested in energy efficiency. And I'll tell you, uh, during this time of climate change, wildfires, we're facing another heat wave, energy efficiency becomes all the more important. It definitely sounds like there's plenty of work to do. (laughs) But fortunately, when it comes to advancing energy efficiency, we know the CPC is not alone. When it comes to establishing policy to help our state meet its energy and climate goals, there are many other agencies that, of course, play key roles as well. And so I'd love to get your perspective on how the CPC works with other state agencies like um, the California Energy Commission or the Air Resources Board collaboratively help advance energy efficiency in California. It's very important to have those synergies with our sister agencies. And in fact, the law itself establishes that partnership with the Energy Commission, with the California Air Resources Board. We at the CPUC set the goals for energy efficiency and 
in setting those goals, we also approve the budgets you know, for our utilities that are implementing the energy efficiency programs. And in fact, we are just poised to set new goals this summer. In doing that through what's called the Potential and Goals Study, it's done every two years, we provide that to the Energy Commission, who in turn then assesses the savings forecasts, and the California Independent System Operator utilizes that forecast towards looking at what is the foundation of energy needs in California, what power plant generation is needed, what energy sources are needed, all geared towards providing for that reliability, providing a green pathway uh, to 2030 goals, to 2045 goals. Energy efficiency is fed into all of that calculation. It is a good partnership. The Air Resources Board is involved in terms of assessing the you know, overall air pollution aspects towards helping us make sure that we've got the best science uh, in looking at the greenhouse gas reductions. It's a program I'm really honored and proud to be a part of. And I know when we look at how the integrated resource plan for the state's resource forecast is put together, it involves inputs from all of these different organizations, cap and trade pricing from CARB and the demand forecast from the CEC. And it's really kind of incredible to see all of that come together and then generate this model of, of how the state's going to reach its, its clean energy and energy efficiency goals. Stepping back a little further and looking kind of beyond our state boundaries, does the CPUC coordinate with any other agencies at kind of the national level to look for opportunities to collaborate in advancing energy efficiency? Yes, and we have a philosophy of sharing our best practices, what we have learned in California with not only our sister states, but of course, the Department of Energy. Our policies directly you know, require that energy efficiency program administrators support the advancement of appliance and building standards. Those are developed by the Department of Energy. Of course, the Energy Commission also has a key role uh, in going beyond what DOE requires. Uh, DOE establishes that floor. The Energy Star program is a very important one run by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, the U.S. Department of Energy promotes energy efficiency. Uh, all of these programs are intended from our perspective to provide for good synergies. It also keeps our feet to the fire on energy efficiency because, you know, once DOE, once the Energy Commission sets those appliance and building standards, those become mainstream. And then our energy efficiency program strives to go beyond what is that the standards, the floor uh, for uh, appliances, building standards and so forth. And it really pushes us to find new programs, uh, innovation, to work with all of the folks who are in this arena. And it is key for us to get to those greenhouse gas goals. We are feeling the effects of climate change you know, as I speak, and we must be aggressive in the program and, and strive uh, for more. We are heavily involved with coordination with the federal government. We are heavily involved with the National Association of uh, Regulatory Utility Commissioners, NARUC, and strive to 
provide best practices, learn from the other states as well. And I think that especially with our new decision that we just voted out, we are definitely getting to that next era of energy efficiency. About how we're doing on energy efficiency, we have a, a really great uh, and important uh, Senate bill in California that was passed in 2015. Of course, SB 350 did a lot of things in energy, but one of the main things of interest to energy efficiency is it set a target for doubling energy efficiency in California by 2030. You know, as the assigned commissioner for energy efficiency, can you give us some insight on how we're doing on our progress towards that goal? It is an audacious goal, especially when you know we know that uh, we started off with things like weatherization, uh, light bulbs, just some of those simple tools. And now many, uh, in terms of building standards, many of those features are now baked into the standards. And so uh, in terms of energy efficiency, we must strive to go beyond. I think especially with the, the decision that we voted out uh, in May, it really will spark our efforts towards reaching that doubling. Uh, and a key feature of that decision is the equity piece. You know, we have the, the resource uh, piece in terms of the, you know, the standards sort of cost-effective kinds of efforts that, and the kinds of metrics that need to be met for cost-effectiveness. We also have the equity piece, and for the RENs, such as yours, hopefully we've given you a lot of flexibility on that. In terms of the harder-to-reach sectors, Californians, that maybe haven't heard as much about the energy savings kinds of things that can be done, the modest investments that can be made to really garner those savings on their bills, to increase comfort of their homes, I'm very excited about this piece towards really helping us to accomplish what SB 350 wants us to accomplish. The marketing, I think, is also that's the third prong. I think it's very important because just figuring out how to get the word out even stronger than we have already to, again, reach those harder to reach audiences, to dovetail with our ESA program, the uh, Energy Savings Assistance Program, which is low income discount programs. And with ESA, it is where energy savings, weatherization, all kinds of features to lower energy bills, provide uh, safety, comfort, and so forth. Those are free of charge to those customers who, who qualify. And then with our energy efficiency decision, looking to not only augment those programs as far as reaching people who may not own their home and those who do own their homes towards providing a cost-effective way to uh, invest in energy efficiency. And along with that, to also find synergies with our building decarbonization programs. And I think with the holistic effort of all of these programs, we must achieve these goals. It's a full court press to have all of these programs be successful. I do want to go back to your comments about the equity component of energy efficiency programs. And I was wondering if you could expand a little bit on, on what the commission is hoping to see in the equity programs that get proposed through the, the next portfolio cycle. I'm hoping that the 
the way we crafted the decision, it provides you all you know, a lot of good flexibility, creativity, innovation. Bottom line is that within each of the territories, there are disadvantaged communities that suffer more air pollution than others. There are low-income communities. There are communities where maybe the household doesn't qualify for the low-income discount bill assistance, but is right at the cusp. And so my hope is that a really decent inventory of the need can be framed and plans that systematically tackle going into communities at a very grassroots level. Also, partnering up with the trusted leaders within a community. We have an effort at the CPUC to really expand relationships with community-based organizations, not only amongst the utilities and the utility partners, but ourselves as well so that we can really look at who who are the folks that know these communities, who are trusted by the communities, maybe they provide some, some other services, and is there an opportunity for partnership in getting the word out, some training. There's also the workforce effort. There is a lot of money that's going into these energy efficiency programs over this next 10 years, and there is an opportunity for job development, training, and for that whole business sector to thrive and grow. I neglected to mention, too, that in the decision we voted out, we have a new way to measure. It's called the Total System Benefit, TSB. And what it is, is rather than simply relying on, well, what is that first year benefit of the energy efficiency investment? to look at what is the impact during that net peak, what is the impact going forward on the greenhouse gas footprint, and to be not so tightly tied to cost effectiveness, even as, of course, we must you know, keep an eye to uh, the customer dollars uh, that are being invested in this effort, but, but really to provide for a, uh, you know, just a more laser-like effort of the impact uh, and that longer view of the contribution to the greenhouse gas uh, reduction. I will say one of my favorite parts of that decision was where the commission said we want to focus on and obviously prioritize cost-effective energy efficiency, but we also still have to consider access and equity as an equal piece of the overall solution. And that sent a really great message to the customers and participants or potential participants out there who maybe haven't taken part in an energy efficiency program because it's just not quite fit to their needs so much. And that's, mm-hmm. of course, what we try to do with as a run is find those grassroots solutions and, and try to, to localize and customize the solutions to meet customers where they are. They can play their part in helping the state achieve its climate and energy goals. And thinking along those lines, you know, looking at local solutions, what kind of role would you want to see local governments and, and public agencies like school districts playing in helping the state achieve those goals? Uh, what, what can local leaders do to take action and, and encourage positive change? It is easy for we in state government to get a little bit isolated from the on the ground stuff. And I think that's the key thing where 
We're looking to really break down that barrier to really value and partner with local government, with the not-for-profits. I think, again, on the equity segment, local government is keenly in touch with your constituency. Your employees are working day-to-day with your constituency, with the folks in all four corners of your jurisdictions. So you know more keenly where the need is. And that's key. If we are to achieve the statute-driven goals and metrics, from my perspective, it is shared by the other commissioners. If we are to achieve that, we must work closely with local jurisdictions and local government. Thinking about our unique grid and and natural gas system challenges, trying to decarbonize while trying to make sure that rates stay affordable and equitable, looking at mitigating wildfire risk and trying to prevent de-energization events. Think about energy efficiency's role in trying to address all of those problems. Uh, Could you see energy efficiency become more than just a reduction in energy consumption? Could it be looked at almost as a more flexible resource within the the broader DER umbrella that might encompass the reduced consumption of all grid services for a given customer? My simple answer is yes. And do I have a definitive design? No. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that in the full court press rubric, you know, energy efficiency is foundational and it will continue to deliver benefits for customers. It's got a great track record. And now, you know, we're on the hunt for what else can we do within that foundational effort? Certainly, we are looking at what can absolutely be relied upon. In the classic sense, power plants are what has been relied upon, fire it up and run it the way you're supposed to run it and so forth, but most of them are dependent on natural gas. Do we build a 400 megawatt gas-fired power plant and massively increase our debt, or do we invest more in energy efficiency and other alternatives as well? We went with energy efficiency. And so then you're asking about what does that mean for the sophistication of the grid and how that can be structured for customers who have invested and is there a financial benefit to be had beyond the initial investment and i think this is what we're on the hunt for whether it's purely incentivizing customers or whether it is what we need to rely on you know for the future i think that we need to leave no stone unturned uh, yes, we've got to always look at who is left with stranded debt, who is benefiting, who is paying. But I think that we are keeping our eye on those questions and those analyses. I'm one that firmly believes that ideas will bubble up. And for this new normal that we are in, we have to look at all of these different avenues. I'd love to know at the end of your tenure as commissioner, when you look back, what would success look like to you? What are you hoping to achieve in your time with the commission? And um, what are some of the your key goals for the commission and the state overall? I think success for me at the end of my tenure will be 
and focusing in on energy efficiency. A key platform for me in coming into the CPUC has been look at everything through the lens of the low income communities. The folks who don't know how to navigate the system, who are struggling to just keep the bills paid, get to work, get your kids to school, get the food on the table. I mean, it's exhausting. (laughs) And so if we look at what we're doing through their lens, we look through the lens of the uh, tribal communities, and we look through the lens of economic development, of job development. I think energy efficiency will um, tackle all of that. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it come to fruition, to see it happen. If we can get to that point of we're not constantly working on crises as far as do we have enough electricity this summer? Are we going to have more wildfires? Are we going to have more public safety power shutoffs? Again, focusing on energy efficiency and the foundational aspect of energy efficiency that can really tackle all of these different things. But in particular, that great strides have been made in bringing energy efficiency to those lower income customers and dovetail with our program. I will just do a high five (laughs) with all of you. That's a very encouraging and inspiring vision of where we can go in hopefully a short period of time. Commissioner, thank you so much for your time today, for your insights and sharing your expertise and your wisdom with us. It was genuinely a pleasure to have you on our podcast. Thank you so much. It's a real honor. And we'll work together on getting all of these aspirational goals done. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Me too. Remember that reducing your energy use today means securing a safer, more affordable, and sustainable tomorrow. For more information on energy efficiency opportunities that can help you save energy and money, visit SoCalREN.org or call 877-785-2237.